Welcome to the Healing Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Renee Beal. Technology has brought us closer together, but it's also allowed advertising to infiltrate many aspects of our daily lives. Today, we'll explore the impact when the targets are our children and the products are harmful to their health. Associate Professor Catherine Backholler and Ruby Brooks from Deakin University's Institute for Health Transformation are with me now to discuss how junk food advertising prioritises corporate wealth over our children's health. Both Catherine and Ruby are researchers in GLOBE, the Global Centre for Preventive Health and Nutrition in the Institute for Health Transformation. As the co-director of GLOBE and a National Heart Foundation Future Leader Research Fellow, Catherine's research interests span obesity epidemiology and public health and food policy, focusing on the implications for health equity. While Ruby's research includes monitoring unhealthy food marketing to inform policy and reduce obesity. Additionally, she consults with the World Health Organization on food environment policies. In this episode, we'll unmask some of the new techniques that the advertising industry are using to push the influence of big junk food brands and how they are targeting our most vulnerable. Join us now in the conversation. So let's get started. Advertising uses a broad range of methods to market products from the more traditional billboards and broadcast adverts to point of sale product placement. Um, and more recently, social media competitions and brand ambassadors. Catherine, given the expansive scope of resources and channels at the advertising industry's disposal, which of these areas have you focused your research into junk food advertising to children? Firstly, just to say, I think all of those media and settings and advertising techniques are important because we know that if you regulate just one industry will shift from their spending from the regulated to unregulated medium. So they're all really important. But I think digital advertising in particular is is increasingly important. So we know the global advertising spend on digital advertising from large global food companies has doubled between 2019 and 20 during the COVID pandemic. So digital advertising, it's more targeted, it's more personalised and it's more engaging than those traditional or conventional types of advertising. So that's really where we're heading in that direction in terms of our research. So Ruby, has your research focus changed as advertising platforms and trends have shifted? Yeah, so definitely um, working with Kath, we've focused on um, more digital marketing and emerging platforms like TikTok um, but then also how marketers are using different technologies like artificial intelligence um, to market their products. Great. So um, in recent times, unhealthy food brands have enlisted social media influencers to market their products. But most of your recent work has exposed how these companies are taking that one step further by turning TikTok, as you just mentioned, users themselves into unofficial brand ambassadors for their products. How are they doing this? We recently looked at the TikTok accounts of 16 of the world's best-selling food and beverage brands. So initially we looked at the videos that brands were posting on their own accounts and what we found was, um, like you said, they are using influencers or celebrities to market the products. But then what they were also doing was starting um, branded hashtag challenges, which is where the brands set challenges that encourage just everyday TikTok users to create and share videos 
and often the challenges will feature either the branding or the products that the brands sell. So I guess there's a couple of examples. Um, McDonald's had a challenge where they encouraged users to film themselves alongside video of a new McDonald's burger and Doritos also had a challenge where they were getting users to film themselves eating a new Doritos product. And then these users are creating and sharing those videos. So that's really using everyday users as unofficial brand ambassadors. And I think, you know, one of the most alarming parts of this study is the reach. So it, just a single hashtag challenge, the videos created off those, millions and billions of views of those videos. So the reach is just astronomical. So if we put that into context with sort of a more traditional um, reach from a media advertising campaign that they've produced and add themselves, what sort of reach are we talking? Exponential growth? Yeah, it's it's huge because the digital ecosystem has no borders. So we're not talking about, you know, the amount of people that walk down the street and see a billboard on the side of the road. We're talking about something that gets shared and liked and um, travels through the internet to millions and billions of users. So for the scale of it, there was a Pepsi challenge that um, all the videos related to that were viewed over 107.9 billion times. Um, so it's just huge. And, the, and this is content that is produced by um, peers as well. So it's not professional actors. Which is really problematic because it's that kind of content that people trust more. So they, they line themselves more with it and therefore it's more likely to have an impact. So it's so much more engaging than traditional forms of marketing. And that's why industry is spending huge amounts in that space. Hmm. So along those lines, given that around three in four Australian children now spend on average, more than three hours online per day. And TikTok is mainly used by a younger demographic. Um, more parents are aware of the harm, such as cyberbullying. But in regards to your research findings, should we equally be concerned about exposure to online advertising of unhealthy foods? Absolutely. We, I mean, we know really clearly that unhealthy foods are the leading or unhealthy diets are a leading cause of disease and death in Australia and globally, yet these very foods are marketed to our children every day as they go about their daily lives, as they use digital uh, platforms and digital media. So kids are seeing this every single day. It's creating social norms around unhealthy foods. And there was a report that was just released by the WHO, synthesised over 100 um, different studies that showed really clearly that this kind of advertising influences children's behaviours, purchasing um, and their requests for certain food products. So it has an impact, it leads to excess weight gain and then therefore um, non-communicable diseases across the life course. We know that the social media landscape is a rapidly evolving beast, but from what you've observed, do you think these challenges are a passing trend or are these tactics and similar here to stay? I think this is the tip of an iceberg, really. Um, we know that industry finds creative ways to market to children and youth and everyone online, basically. Um, and we know that when regulations are put in place, they'll find ways to circumvent that online. So, for example, in Finland, the Finnish Alcohol Act banned alcohol marketing on social media platforms. 
the alcohol industry then stopped or reduced the marketing of uh, products online on social media platforms, but they started instead advertising the context within which people drink and putting their logos everywhere. So they circumvent that. And then we've got things like, you know, the metaverse, for example, like this 3D world that we're going to start um, seeing a rise of, you know, billions of dollars being put into the metaverse and already the marketing space, marketing um, real estate is being sold to all sorts of companies, including junk food companies. We've got McDonald's buying virtual reality headsets, happy, they call them happy headsets or happy goggles um, for kids and or people to use in the metaverse, for example. And we know that the whole business model of some of these social media companies is around keeping your attention and then selling that space to um, advertisers. So. Yeah. Not only are food companies using emerging technologies, artificial intelligence, but they're buying up whole tech firms. So they, they're buying up these firms just to embed technologies in everything they do. And the end goal is to get people to purchase more, consume more. In light of this, let's move to regulation then. Um, does Australia have any restrictions or regulations to protect children from unhealthy food marketing? Yeah, so in Australia, we are reliant on industry-led codes. So these are codes or uh, standards that have been developed by industry, they're monitored by industry, they're enforced by industry, and this is the industry that also makes a big profit off this kind of marketing. So there's a clear conflict of interest. We've got some limited um, regulatory parameters around television, free-to-air television advertising, uh, but really limited and it doesn't cover the um, advertising on children's programming that children watch the most. Um, so really limited. We're relying on self-industry codes and um, research shows time and time again that industry-led codes don't work, they don't protect children and we need governments to step up and do something about this. So what about other countries? Do they have restrictions and regulation when it comes to junk food marketing to children? Yeah, there's about there's more than 40 countries around the world that have some kind of regulation in place at the moment. Most of them are limited, most notably... Chile, the um, food advertising or food labelling and advertising law was introduced in 2016, which prohibits all junk food marketing that's targeted to children. It does cut across all media and settings, but only creative content that's specifically targeted to children or only on programming that's specifically targeted to children. It has shown to be effective, but we know that children are exposed to, you know, marketing that's not specifically directed to them as they walk down the, you know, the main street or they use media and setting, you know, media that um, adults also use as well. Um, so there's some real limitations there. We had the UK this year introduced a bill to restrict junk food marketing between the hours of 6am and 9pm on television. So not focusing on marketing types, but more between those times, um, which is a real step forward and also to ban all marketing that's been paid for online. So it's the first um, proposal in the world that bans junk food marketing online, um, at least all types of marketing from junk food companies that have been paid for. But unfortunately, due to the cost of living crisis, the changing government over there, it's it, there's a good chance it'll be scrapped this year. So taking a step back from that, will regulation help us get the outcome we desire? So that is children consuming less junk food. And if so, what would the ideal restrictions or regulations look like? 
we know that, say, for example, the Chile advertising laws has had an impact. So we know that it has reduced children's exposure to junk food advertising. Um, we've seen that again in London on their ban of junk food marketing on public transport. Um, so we have evidence now showing that it, it can be effective. It needs to be introduced uh, uh, across a comprehensive package of policies. So mark food marketing restrictions on, on its own won't solve our obesity crisis, but it certainly needs to be one key component of the policy mix to prevent obesity, to encourage healthier diets, to bring our children up in an environment that promotes healthier choices. But it needs to be comprehensive in nature, so it has to cover all media and settings where children are exposed to this marketing, otherwise it'll just shift from one media or setting to another. It needs to cover all marketing that children see, not just what's directed to them. There needs to be strong monitoring over time and then it needs to be enforced. So in low-middle-income countries, you often get marketing restrictions but it's not monitored, therefore it's not enforced um, and you still see the marketing everywhere. Yeah, and I think the only other thing to add to that would be we need clear criteria around what foods can and can't be marketed so that companies can't sort of circumvent the policies and advertise things that aren't so healthy. So coming back to the social media platforms, do you think that they themselves have a role to play in protecting children from online marketing of unhealthy foods? I think social media platforms have a role to play in doing things responsibly, uh, perhaps marketing responsibly, but we know that advertising underpins their whole business model. So we can't rely on on the social media platforms to protect children from harmful marketing. We've seen that time and time again in the news. So they have, there is some role to play, but we can't rely on them. We need government regulation essentially. The Institute for Health Transformation is creating research for right now to make better health and wellbeing easier to achieve. Training the next generation of health researchers plays a vital part in creating these healthier futures. If you're interested in completing a research degree at the Institute, visit iht.deakin.edu.au. Let's move from one technology to another. Um, the use of facial recognition software in supermarkets has been in the spotlight this year. But from your research, it sounds like food and beverage companies are also using it too. Can you explain how this technology might be used if I walked into a fast food venue today? Yeah, so one example that we've seen in the last few years is um, there was KFC in China is using facial recognition in its um, menu boards to try and estimate your age, sex and perceived mood and then manipulate the products that it showed back to you based on that kind of thing. Other companies have robots that will act as customer service and just different technology that uh, alters the order of that foods and those kind of things are shown on menu boards, um, so perhaps based on the weather or your location in drive throughs if you've already picked things, suggesting other foods based on what you've already picked to try and increase the size of your order. And I think the facial recognition technology is also about collecting information about you. So we, we, we've heard about this concept about the digital footprint and then being able to target advertising to you. This is about the, you know, the facial footprint or the uh, face print and be able to collect information about the kinds of people that walk into store, what do they order, and then using that information to then target certain marketing techniques. And we have privacy laws that were developed before the internet was developed. So they're not fit for purpose in the digital age at all. And they are under review 
review at the moment, but we've seen recently within the media that this needs to be looked at much closer. Do you think that this sort of data could be used also for product development as well? They could be doing some market research on potential new products, so targeting more unhealthy products to their customers as well. Yeah, one of our studies, um, we did come across some examples of that. So um, like companies scraping social media content to see what people are talking about, what kind of products they're after, um, or drawing data straight away from like a self-serve soft drink machine to see what flavours were popular and then use that to develop new flavours. From your research, are there any other types of artificial intelligence that these companies are using that we should watch out for? Yeah, so there's a few different um, kinds. Some of the things we found where they were using artificial intelligence uh, for different marketing purposes. So whether that's using things like virtual reality or augmented reality to make really engaging um, engaging advertisements that you can interact with, I guess. Um, also things that make it more convenient to uh, purchase or obtain foods. So like KFC had a bot that you could um, order your chicken via Alexa with or um, PepsiCo in the US was developing a robot that could deliver snacks across a university campus that you'd ordered with your phone. So really things that make it more convenient um, to access unhealthy foods. To be clear... You found all this information in publicly available documents such as their annual reports. Yeah, so we scraped all these examples from annual reports or websites of yeah, some of the world's top-selling unhealthy food and beverage brands. So they're not, happening, they're not happening all around the world, but we wanted to look at what does the future hold? What, where are these junk food companies going in terms of their marketing? And so we really went through all those different data sources to look at where they're using artificial intelligence, emerging technologies um, in ways that we've never heard of before. Great. That's related to, to another question I was just about to ask. Um, did these reports allude to any technology development that public health professionals advocates and those generally concerned about the eating habits of children should be on the lookout for? Yeah, so as Catherine mentioned before, one of the things that we've actually come across is that um, food and beverage brands are investing in this kind of tech themselves and buying up technology companies um, or creating, um, like Nestle has a Silicon Valley innovation outpost where they're bringing together all sorts of tech people. So that makes it really challenging to know um, what's going to come next, but we know that there is there are going to be um, more technologies. And, you know, they have so much money compared to what we do in public health. They're always ahead of the game. They're, you know, they're, as I said, they're buying into the metaverse already. We haven't even started looking at what marketing in the metaverse looks like. So they'll be looking at some of these big, you know, mega trends that are happening and working out what's the best way that they can influence people with, you know, through their marketing in the future. Great. Let's get into how you're using tech in the public health space then. So we've talked today about how technology is being used to manipulate and exploit consumers. Are you investigating whether this and similar technology can be kind of reverse engineered, if you like, for public health purposes? Yeah. So one of our um, one, one, so I'll start that again. Talking with policymakers all around the world, one of the first things they say, especially in low and middle income countries where there's less resources, is if you can't monitor what kids see online, you can't enforce it. If you can't enforce a policy, what's the point in 
adopting a policy. And the reason why you can't monitor it is because it's highly complex. It takes huge amount of resources to monitor and then it's also ethically challenging to capture data in terms of what children see as they go about their digital lives. So we're taking some of the um, technology that advertisers use to advertise to us and we're using that technology, so deep learning algorithms, to be able to develop an automated image recognition system where we can monitor online children and youth's exposure and engagement with harmful advertising. So what does that look like in practice? Yeah, so we're about to kick off a new study called the Digital Youth Study um, and it's scaling up our artificial intelligence system so we can automatically detect, extract and classify advertising images and then we'll recruit 300 plus children and youth. We'll recruit them into our study, we'll collect data from them. When I say we collect data, we'll capture exactly what they do on their screens as they use their screens in their, in their daily lives. We'll then combine that with our AI system, run it through the system so we're not actually looking at everything gets around that ethical challenge of seeing, you know, third parties on on social media platforms that children and youth are using. We'll combine that with our artificial intelligence system and we'll get a good indication for the first time ever just how much children and youth see when advertising they see when they're online. We're, we are focusing first and foremost on food, but we're also going to cover alcohol, gambling, e-cigarettes and tobacco as well. And the, I think one of the cool things about this study is we're capturing from the age of eight through to 25. So we can start to see at what point do kids see junk food advertisements and then when does that change to get or when does it include in additionally gambling advertising and alcohol advertising, e-cigarettes, when do they start to see advertisements for e-cigarettes as well. So that's the digital youth study. Um, we've also got another study where we're putting glasses on children. Um, it has a protruding, the glasses have a protruding arm off the side and we can actually capture the world through the child's eyes. So we send children out in their normal environments and we capture exactly what they're seeing. So the, the junk food industry will say, you only need to focus on advertising that's directed to children because there's Kids take, don't take any notice of all this other advertising. And what we're hoping to show is, well, actually, kids do take notice of this. They look at this type of advertising, they fixate on it, and it does matter and we need to regulate all this type of advertising. That's brilliant. Um, we'll look forward to the results of that study coming out soon. Um, one final question before we wrap this conversation up. How can we as parents monitor these kinds of marketing practices towards our children and as concerned citizens advocate for stricter regulation from government? So I think the first thing to say is that we shouldn't be placing all the responsibility on children. We should, as a government, we should be able to have safe environments for our kids to go and spend time online and they should be able to do that in an environment that's free of the marketing of products that are harmful to health. So we know that parents can't hover over their ch children's shoulders 24-7 um, parents actually don't know how much they see their kids see online in terms of the marketing of harmful products. So we need governments to step up to put health before corporate wealth and and protect children through regulation. That's the role of government to protect children and to put um, the health of a nation before corporate profits. Indeed. Fabulous. Catherine and Ruby, Many thanks to you both for nudging these advertising tactics into our consciousness. Because they're so insidious, they often escape our attention, um, undermining our capacity to respond. So your work is vital in providing a much needed reality check for us all. 
Thanks for having us. Thank you. And thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by Deakin University's Institute for Health Transformation, creating research for right now and addressing today's most complex health challenges. If you'd like more information about any of the topics or researchers featured in this podcast series, simply head to iht.deakin.edu.au.